Welcome to Retail in Focus. I'm Darvin Dakula, Assistant Editor at Retail Systems. Inflation is rising with the war in Ukraine pushing up the cost of oil, food and gas. To make ends meet, manufacturers and other suppliers are passing on their increased overheads to retailers. At the same time, consumers are changing their behaviour to cope with the cost of inflation, while employees demand higher wages or even leave the retail sector altogether to follow other career paths. This leaves retailers finding themselves held to ransom by both consumers and suppliers, with many turning to digital solutions to help them predict consumer behaviour and stock goods according to spikes in demand and even manage staff levels. To delve further into these challenges and find possible solutions for the retail sector, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Lawrence Brenning-Jones, VP of Product Marketing and Strategy at Supply Chain and Retail Platform, Relic Solutions. Welcome to the podcast, Lawrence. It's great to have you here. Hi there. Yes, thank you for having me today. So tell me, how is consumer behaviour changing in response to inflation and how should retailers respond? Sure. So, yeah, as you've mentioned, it's a really tough market out there, both from a consumer perspective and and retailers. And we talk to a lot of our customers. We've got over 350. So we get a a good understanding of of what's going there across the the market. First of all, I think it's fair to say that, you know, volumes are are down in general um, because, of course, of the inflationary pressures. But there's a lot going on underneath the surface. So, for example, some of our customers have seen consumers really bargain hunting. And what that means is that they're seeing an increase in promotional uptake. So promotional sales have actually shifted this year. And and you can see that it was from about February where you've suddenly got this kind of upturn and and consumers are are shopping more for promotions in many of, of our retailers. There's also some shifts going on kind of within categories even forgetting promotions for a moment so what I mean by that is that if you imagine in in typical category you know whether that's grocery or speciality retail there's lots of options for for consumers and and they are trading down often and and one example I thought was quite interesting from one of our customers in the grocery sector is that they've seen a, a change in their drink section so craft beer real explosive um, subcategory over recent years super fast growing area whereas actually this year they've seen a shift back to more kind of standard lower price options uh, within this category so i think that's a nice example of where you've got changes that are going overall like shift into promotions you've got the changes within a category where consumers are, are trading down there are some some retailers that naturally are seeing benefits because they are deemed to be more value orientated and so it's not straightforward for for everyone everyone's got a kind of a different experience of this the other challenge is of course we, we just got very little history to go on so we've just come through a pandemic with many um systems in place have, have never kind of witnessed an inflationary market and systems generally perform well when they have a good history of data. So all of that um, taken into account means it is it is very difficult at the moment to plan ahead. Okay. Um, I mean, you mentioned inflation there and how we've not quite seen it before in this, this circumstance. Um, what can retailers do to sustain their revenue? 
Um, we've got inflation on one side, and then we've got the ongoing disruption in supply chains on the other. Yeah, sure. It's a good question. And, and I think also the, the inflation has a couple of components because, of course, it's affecting the way that consumers shop, which is therefore affecting demand and the impact on retailers. It's also affecting retailers directly in their own cost base. And um, so therefore, it's a, a complex situation with effects on demand, the cost bases of retailers themselves. And then, of course, like you mentioned, we're still in um, a time when supply chain disruption is greater than it has been. I think one of the things that we've seen has worked well is to align internally, first of all. So retailers faced with this uncertainty and complexity externally really need to join up operations internally. And so they might have demand planners sitting next to their buyers of the same category, but are they really working off the same plan? Are they using the same numbers? Are they leveraging the same insights to, to come up with effective plans to drive revenue, but also acknowledging the costs? So I think it's really important that retailers are able to sustain revenues, to grow, but also in a way that is operationally efficient. And so take um, promotions, for example. We know that many retailers have historically run a lot of promotions. As I mentioned, they're starting to see consumers actually take more sales on promotions. But what proportion of those are actually driving a net profit for the retailer? Understanding that is really important to, to cope in these situations because it's, it's impossible to carry on offering promotions that may give the consumer something, but they're not really driving value for, for the retailer. So we're seeing now customers increasingly integrate the promotional planning with planning for supply chain and the operations and any kind of campaign uh, and events really. Um, and ideally this should be done in a way where planning an event or a campaign is supply aware. So therefore, it faces into that disruption. It uses information about stock, about the available inventory that the suppliers can provide to ensure that when you plan something like a promotion that is going to drive value, you, you know you can do it with confidence based on a confidence in the supply chain. We've got a, a number of customers who, who are beginning to do this. Um, Nemlig, the Danish online grocer, is a good example. Are there any specific examples that the uh, Danish retailer you mentioned are, are doing? The, the most important thing they're doing at the moment is to have a single platform and a single set of data for their promotional planning and their supply chain. You can imagine that because they're online, they want to react super fast. They want to provide consumers with something that you know they, they can offer more quickly compared to the store-based retailers. And so, so they might want to create a promotion and execute it within say 24 hours. In order to do that, they need to have information about what inventory is available in their warehouse, what kind of visibility they have in supply so they can execute that really quickly. And that's what they're, they're now implementing. It's an interesting process. Um, how can retailers remain agile and resilient in a world where everything seems so uncertain? Well, I think the, the most um, important thing to start with is to gain visibility into the supply chain. And, and I think, oh, I mean, supply chain in the kind of loosest sense there really 
considering everything from the consumer all, all the way to suppliers, um, you know, even in even manufacturing. And the important thing is to have that connected. And so there's a lot of talk out there about digital supply chain twins, for example, where you can actually gain this visibility of your physical setup in a digital environment to understand what's going on. And that would start from the demand forecast, of course, to provide that that signal that you're trying to fulfill uh, as a retailer. And that would be very granular, ideally. So, you know, very much about a product in a, in a store daily, even intraday. But you want to use that at least as a starting point. But the key is that to be resilient to changes in that demand, those, those signals need to be connected throughout the supply chain in a way that reflects the reality of the operation. So the forecast needs to be translated into store replenishment needs, allocations need to be included, the whole network of distribution centers needs to be taken into account, even the picking capacities, other constraints, lead times, safety stops, all that kind of stuff, so that you can then build up this visibility into your end-to-end -end supply chain, so that when you see changes in demand, they are automatically translated through the network so that you can understand what that means in terms of the operational planning for DC picking for supplier ordering. The other side to that though is to connect with suppliers so to collaborate with suppliers because everything I just said does depend on that good supply from the supply base and we know that can't be counted on especially at the moment and, and it hasn't been for a couple of years now. So we have some examples. Ica, the major Sweden-based grocer, is sharing their order forecasts with their suppliers. And actually, there, there are even some of our customers that are going a step further so that they allow the suppliers to access directly to Relics and therefore have access to the same platform. And this kind of creates more of an ecosystem whereby instead of just a one-way flow back from demand signal all the way through the supply chain network to suppliers, you begin to have a setup which allows more for signals coming from the supply side. For example, if there was a lack of supply, a manufacturing problem or a delay, you know, we know we're still seeing lots of delays out there in, in the global supply chains, that can be accounted for in the same system, the same platform. And you can even begin to use prioritization. So if you have a, a massive promotion coming up and you've got one of your suppliers signaling that they have a problem, you need to know about that quickly. And then ideally you want the system to indicate, well, what alternatives do you have? Have you got other suppliers for that product? Could you actually change to provide a different product on the promotion that you do have good supply of? So all these things need to be dealt with quickly. And um, the more that you can connect your end-to-end -end supply chain, the better, the more able you'll be able to understand what's going on, where are the issues, what do they mean, how big a problem are they, which exceptions to respond to first because of the lost sales or spoilage implications. So all of this is about really directing the efforts. I mean, and actually that, that kind of reminds me of something else that this is very much about leveraging the human expertise as well. So whilst having this kind of idealistic view of, of a, a platform to provide this visibility is, is great, 
you you need to also empower people so that they can know what to do so that they can connect and respond when needed so i think that's something that we're, we're seeing increasingly that ideally the, the people in in retail roles are able to be unlocked from quite manual tasks responding firefighting to things that are not that obvious and actually be more proactive to look forward to plan and, and to spot issues on the horizon so i guess that that's a kind of overview of uh, of uh, our take um, I suppose one way of unlocking people from the, the the firefighting and the regulated tasks is through automation and and through machine learning. Um, is there a way that machine learning can work in an environment where everything is constantly changing? I mean, prices keep rising, um, demand keeps fluctuating. How can machine learning help retailers? Yeah, great question. There's a there's a lot of hype about machine learning at the moment. That's for sure. We've got um, many customers who are already now using machine learning forecasting. So I think it's worth noting that machine learning is one of the AI tools that that can be deployed for optimizing supply chain. We've seen that it, it is well suited to demand forecasting as a use case. And we've got that technology now in, in, in a number of customers. What I think makes it especially relevant today um, is a few things. So first of all, the whole concept of machine learning based demand forecast is that you give it a data set which has a number of different variables in and it learns which variables are the most important so that it can use those going forwards to come up with a more accurate forecast and it constantly learns which variables to use to improve that accuracy you can imagine some of the variables so it, it could be basic things like day of the week or time of the year but then also price promotions um you know various other things related to the category or the assortment now price has has definitely become more important and where more traditional models might struggle to really respond to that machine learning understands this change and it is able to adapt going forwards one other thing i would say is that if you give it the right information about the assortment, it can use that to, to great advantage. So I've seen um, one example for forecasting of fresh meat. We tested out putting a new variable in there, which was the lowest price point in the category. And you can imagine that if there is a product which occupies that entry price point, it will typically get an extra boost in demand and especially today and that's something that these kind of models can do so we've seen great success in that example great you sold me on the machine learning but updating systems can actually be quite painful um if a company is thinking of upgrading a legacy system what steps can it take to minimize the pain well i think um we've seen definitely that it makes sense to combine any changes in technology with good plans to update process and train people because it really needs to be taken uh, as a whole in that sense but there are also uh, quick wins so i think um, it is important to pinpoint what the benefits are and and to really track those quite quickly so you can understand you know what's working where the big biggest benefits are and just on that one successful one helpful part of, of our solution is actually to do root causing because 
often when an implementation goes live, it's difficult to know really what's driving the, the success and what can be improved. And so I think having visibility like that is really important. And finally, we know that our customers are constantly adapting. So they want a solution that is flexible and therefore it's really important not to kind of not to feel like you have to commit too much to a perfection in the way you're designing a solution today because you know that in a couple of years it's probably going to be different so therefore ensuring that that built-in adaptability is there okay um well machine learning can solve some of our problems um we still need the people to, to operate the machines and to, to look at all the data that they create but we have had some problems with um, the supply of labor. What are the best ways for retailers to adapt to changes in the demand and supply of labor? Yeah, so we've, we've uh, like you mentioned, we've, we've talked a lot about demand and, and actually the supply of mainly inventory, but labor supply is a really big challenge for our customers right now. And it's often a more complex area, especially with many of them coming out of the pandemic, seeking to build omni-channel offerings. So a couple of things that we've seen is successful here. One is to have far more stable and predictable demands on the workforce. So if you think about the, the supply chain, there's huge pools of, of labor in both the stores and the DCs. And when it, when it comes to lack of supply in those areas, you really wanna be able to predict accurately, far enough in advance, what are the labor needs and what quantities and and so that's really important to create stable flows of stock for example uh, and that's something that we've seen as, as being quite helpful the other thing is that it's clear that on a day-to-day -day basis there's always going to be disruption there's always going to be things where maybe there's a lack of stock or maybe there's too much and not enough labor and what's really important in those situations is to codify your business strategy so the system that you have should automatically be able to make prioritization decisions for you. So with whatever labor you do have and the other constraints, you're able to make the right decisions without going through a manual loop. Great, that's all we've got time for. Um, but if our listeners want to learn more about Relics, where can we send them? Sure, go to relicsolutions.com. And of course, if you're an existing customer, talk to your customer success manager or me directly. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Lawrence. It's been great to have you on the podcast and I look forward to welcoming you on another episode very soon. And if you have any suggestions for a topic for a future podcast, please contact us by going to the Retail Systems podcast and clicking contact us. Thank you and see you next time.